Hello, and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam Sabados. On today's episode, Joy and I talk with Bev DeSalvo about her new book, Return to Joy. In Return to Joy, Bev talks about her story of healing from past pain to help draw other women along their journey toward intimacy with their Savior. We had a great conversation with Bev, and we hope you check out her book. You can visit navpress.com or check out her website, bevdesalvo.com. Bev, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and then what prompted you to write Return to Joy. Okay, well, I am a pastor's wife uh, in a large church and have been functioning pretty well for most of our years here. And then all of a sudden, um, I began to have some memories come up and um, really began losing control of my emotions and feeling depressed and um, I was actually director of women's ministries and I had to step down for a while and uh, you know just get some counseling and in the process I realized that I had protected myself for most of my Christian life I built a little wall of protection around myself because of some pain in my past and I had my own little kingdom going and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was in my in my kingdom, but I was on the throne and I was definitely in charge of the protection of of my kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I knew that those walls needed to come down, but I didn't I had no idea how to how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I stepped into a journey that I call a broken road. Mm-hmm. But it was a broken road that led me to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure out of that um reflection and probably some deep soul searching and working through sorrow you maybe did you come up with the phrase return to joy then what what brought you from those really dark places and memories to come back to joy yes well I actually read a book uh, that talked about uh, how psychologists use the term return to joy with small children uh, it's when they've been hurt or upset about something and they come to their parent or, or nurturing uh, person and that, that person picks them up and they get comfort from that person and then something mysterious happens and they're able to get down and play just like nothing ever happened. Mm. And so I knew that you know there was a way for me to find that nurturing from the father, but I was too afraid of him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is... I have had things where it almost seems like it's too much to bring to God or that I, I fear God and so I kind of retreat within my within myself but really that doesn't bring any more light to it and so once you know you acknowledge it and bring it to the Lord that's when there's there's healing that's right and a lot of times because we've been hurt in the past we feel like God is there for other people but maybe not for me and so um, as a child I learned to protect myself and that meant I was going to take care of myself and I didn't need anyone else to protect me and um, I was really afraid that God wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about when you were a child uh, one of the things you talk about uh, in your book is the idea of the trauma bond yes. which I think probably a lot of people can relate to they just didn't have the a name for it. Can you talk a little bit about that idea? Yes. Well, attachments are very important for a small child. And, and when a child has a healthy attachment with another person, then they can 
you know, relate to others and uh, love and, and be loved. But when a person, a child is, a, or any kind of attachment with someone who's abusive, produces um, uh, a fearful attachment, a trauma bond where you're very, very fearful of that person hurting you, very, very fearful of upsetting them. So as a child, I was just traumatized by the, you know, the fear of doing something wrong to upset my parents. And as a result, it was, um, I developed that same relationship with other people where I wanted to be close and yet I was terrible, fearful, fear, fearful of getting too close. And so it was kind of, it creates a push-pull kind of relationship with other people. Mm. And I'm sure that probably there was some crossover between your relationship with your parents to your relationship with God, because God is Father, and then being concerned, like, that if you were to bring your full self to God, He might abandon you or not accept you fully. Um, and that must have been something to work through, too. Yes, it was. It's interesting. I didn't realize that until um, I was took my two-year-old grandchildren to see Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> several years ago. And, um, we had talked about Santa Claus. We were so excited about seeing him. We'd read books about him. And then when we got to the mall where you take your picture with him, they watched from a distance. But they were terribly afraid to get too close. Mm-hmm. When I saw that happen, I realized, wow, that's the way I've been with God. I read about him. I love him from a distance. He's kind of like a distant relative mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm polite with him and and I enjoy for him to come visit, but I don't have that intimacy with him. And I was afraid to get too close because I didn't understand his heart for me. Mm-hmm. How, Bev, um, did you come to a fuller understanding? And I mean, I think we're probably all on that journey. It's a lifetime journey to discover the heart of God for us. But how did you do that yourself? Well, I really found the heart of God in worship. Linda mm. uh, Dillo, uh, who's my mentor and, and close friend, challenged us at a retreat to spend 20 minutes in worship for, for three months. And so I took that challenge because I was in excruciating pain and I was willing to do whatever it took to get out of it. And uh, it became a lifetime habit for me. And, in the beginning, I just cried out to God with questions like, where were you? And when those bad things happened to me, there was abuse of all kind, including sexual abuse. And so, you know, I wanted to know, God, where were you when evil people hurt me? And this went on for, you know, several months, really, where I was just crying out to him. And But then in the end, I would worship him for whatever I could. Then one day, you know, I just kept pressing into him and, and in a still soft voice in my mind, I heard, I had this dialogue with God. I heard him speaking to me and he said, Bev, you have no idea what's going on out in the heavenlies. Mm-hmm. And I was fighting. I'm the captain of the heavenly host. And I was fighting for your soul. And electrifying power was going out on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And evil people could hurt your body, but they could not have your soul because your soul is mine. And so that totally changed my whole view of God from someone who was impotently crying in a corner or not really caring deeply for me, but my my protector, the protector of my soul. And I began to see him in a new way and realize that his heart is for my good and that I can trust him. Hmm, that's beautiful. So often 
when we are in the depths of sorrow and our deepest need, the Lord speaks very clearly. And so often it's simply, and it's reiterating truth we know. Like, I'm sure you know and knew, you know, the Lord is the captain of the heavenly host, that he does want all things for our good and his glory. But for him to be intimate with you and speak personally, that means sometimes more than just reading it out of scripture. Yes, and I never fully understood that whole, you know, battle in the in the heavenlies and how he was interested in me, caring for me during those times, and that, you know, he wasn't just um, not involved or impotent, but that he truly was working on my behalf in a powerful, strong way. It's beautiful. Um, we recently interviewed a, a woman about her book. She wrote about mourning the loss of a child, and she had different ways that she... Um, dealt with mourning and that's a kind of emotional pain and you talk a little bit about that uh, in your book uh, do you have methods of coping with emotional pain yes uh, in fact my husband has been diagnosed with a very uh, aggressive type of cancer mm. and he has um, only a 27 percent chance of survival in the next two years and so you know I when I'm feeling uh, overwhelmed by that pain once again, I just, I get on my knees and I fall down in worship and I begin, I change my focus from what's going on in this uh, physical world to the eternal. And I'm uh, transformed into the presence of God. I'm passed through the veil and go into, I vision myself uh, going into his, his uh, throne room. And I think about, um, years ago when President Kennedy was um, the president and there's a picture of, of his little boy John John under the under his desk mm. and he is allowed into the presidential office mm. and I see myself as just coming into the throne room of the king and bowing my pain before the Holy One mm. and when I do it's like you know nothing changes in my circumstances but my heart changes I see that God is for me, and that He's going to get this, get me through this. And so I shift from the physical realm to the eternal, and and I'm just filled with joy in the midst of a painful circumstance because God is there with me, and His joy is um, it's it's based on internal things, not external. Yes. That's beautiful, Bev. I was actually reading this morning before work, Psalm 104, because I was thinking about some things in my life that have taken a lot of my focus um, in an inordinate amount. And my prayer was that the Lord would remind me of His greatness and His majesty. And that psalm is really all about His creative power and His supremacy over all things. And one of the verses says that the trees of the Lord are well watered. And that term, the well-watered, really stuck out to me because not only does he water them, not only does he cover bare necessities, but he waters them well so that they have more than enough. And for me, that was just a reminder that the Lord not only, again, covers our needs, but provides above and beyond. And um, when you talk about worship, we really adore God and put him in his rightful place us in our rightful place and then all of those other concerns the circumstances the external things 
they just they seem to take their rightful place and then you know the, the, the feelings of being overwhelmed lessen I think with that that's so true now Satan truly wants to steal kill and destroy our joy but Jesus says he's come to give us life and, and abundant life that's overflowing with joy so we have to fight for it it is a battle that we have to fight for. And in my book, I talk about, you know, taking back that which the evil one has, has taken from us mm -hmm. and not being afraid to fight. I was very passive and afraid of, of warfare. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've learned that I have authority in Christ to overcome the evil one. That's right. In your book, you do talk about um, one of the, the headings is Joy Stolen. And you talk about um, the, you know, the first two years of a child's life is the desire to experience joy in loving relationships and um, how sometimes when we don't learn that as children, it's hard to claim that as adults. Yes, that's so true. And it's something that I've had to learn to fight for in my life, mm -hmm. to uh, fight against the lies because Satan wants me to believe these lies about myself, that I'm a loser, that no one will love me if they really know me, that you know I need to protect myself and that I can't trust God or, or other people. And so what I've found is that when I align myself with those lies, it gives him a stronghold in my life. And when that happens, the, the lies seem more true than the truth. But there's another voice in my life, the Good Shepherd. And when I, when I turn against the lies and say, no, I'm not going to believe that, and align myself with the truth of God, then I find a different kind of stronghold, and that's a stronghold of protection and refuge mm -hmm. in the Holy One. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and that's the one that lasts. That's yes. beautiful. <laughs> so it's a matter of choice. Who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the evil one who's, you know, he uses every kind of tactic to make me believe these lies or am I going to believe my father mm. who loves me and wants to draw me and he's a gentleman so he's not going to force me to believe the truth right <laughs> sometimes I wish he would right yes, yeah <laughs> force it on me <laughs> so Bev one of the things that has come out of this book and what we're going to see um at the end of June um and maybe even into early July is the worship challenge so can you tell us a little bit about what that is so that our listeners can be involved? Yes, I want so much for each person who is involved in this project and in the book, for any woman who's been hurt, like I have been, or in any way, to find joy. And in order to do that, you know, the best way is to just take that challenge and spend time in worship before the Lord. And we say we're going to do it, but um, oftentimes there's so many things, the tyranny of the urgent that gets in the way. And we, we're, we're thinking, okay, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna worship God, and then all these things happen, and we don't, our time slips away, and, and, and the day's over, and we haven't fallen at his feet. And so I would like to um, challenge each listener to take 20 minutes a day, and uh, just get on your knees and give praise and adoration to the Father. That's not prayers of request. It's not thanking Him. It's just adoring Him for who He is. And in the beginning, you're going to wonder, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of these? <laughs> you're going to worship like maybe five minutes and wonder what I'm going to do with <laughs> minutes. But 
uh, in time, those minutes will grow and you'll just find such peace and solace there that you'll want to spend more and more time in worship. Mm-hmm. Now, we often think of worship as like the, the beginning of the church service where we're singing. What, is, what does worship look like for you? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I just see worship as being multifaceted like a diamond. You know, there's lots of different aspects. So we're told to worship with our lips, which means singing in corporate worship or singing uh, and praising in individual worship. And that's the worship that I didn't understand was that you know, that's just as important and really takes up so much more of our time it would be our individual personal worship. And so that can be as simple as singing a song or reading a psalm to God, or it can be as intricate as bowing your pain, something very hurtful like the loss of a child before his feet. And I believe that that kind of worship is the sweetest sacrifice that we can make before the Lord. But it's also, um, as we, the more and more time we spend with the Lord, then we grow in this loving relationship with him it really, worship is really, um, it's a passageway to grow in our love for God. And so out of that relationship, it just flows, worship flows out of us. And so we begin desiring to worship him in our actions by obeying his word and, and being available to be his body to other people, to be his mouth and his eyes and ears to minister to the people around us. So I believe that worship is, is, is twofold. It's worshiping with our mouth and also with our actions. Mm-hmm. And those are very connected. I've realized that the, what the mind believes, the heart starts to feel. And out of, you know, again, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. And then also that's really the center of our behavior and our actions. And... Um, like I, I realized this morning that worshiping God reminds us of who he is, reminds us of his faithfulness. Um, and I think of also, I was recently at church and we were going through the ACT, ACTs of prayer, which is the um, adoration. adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And my table actually had a really hard time with adoration because most of us went immediately to Thanksgiving. Like, thank you, God, for being our provider. Instead of just, I adore you for this, or you are this, and leaving it at that. I mean, a a friend of mine was saying, God has so many names in Scripture. How often do we recognize those? How often do we use them beyond just Lord or Jesus or Father? Which those have weight, obviously, in and of themselves. But giving him the titles that he deserves can really change our hearts. That's true. And for me personally, worship, individual worship, took me from a religious activity where I was trying to be a good girl (laughs) into a relationship with with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords where I truly just fell in love with him as if uh, I I truly fell in love with him as if it was like something new. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Bev. So for people who are listening, how do they get involved? Will this be on social media, or do you have a website that people can check out, maybe a hashtag? Yes, I have web, uh, a website, bevdesalvo.com, mm-hmm. and it'll be on Instagram, 
Okay. And, I, yeah. and people can follow along uh, on the NavPress social media pages yes. as well. Yeah, we we will be posting daily for the, the seven days that it's up and running. Um, and I think it's a great way both to just invite people into the message of your book, which we didn't talk about this yet, but each chapter has a Bible study at the end. Is that correct? That's correct. And the people who have gone through this study in my groups that I've taken through, they've really seen a change. They've really seen the Lord take them from from that place of religious activity to a relation a deeper relationship a love a deep abiding love for God and that's why it's, it's important to do the worship time at the end of each at the end of each study mm -hmm. and it gives structure probably to the worship because sometimes it's especially for someone who's not used to doing this prompts and questions will give um, just kind of uh, posts, if you will, in the journey, and that'll help them. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Bev, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank uh, we're, you. <laughs> we're really excited for this book. Um, it's perfect. I, I think it's a great um, summer title, too. Um, we're, you know, us in Chicago are a little bit more joyful in the summer anyway, so. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, Bev, again, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for all you've done. I know, I mean, writing a book is not an easy task, so. <laughs> I actually you. never planned on to write it, but the Lord asked me if I would share my story for his, for his glory and for, the, for his wounded daughters. Yes. Well, so. I have someone in mind. I can for this specifically. So thank you for sharing your story. It's going to be an impactful one.